take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. All right, Mr. Finley. Hey, buds. How you doing? All right. All right. Welcome to our latest episode. We are going to be uh, doing some talking. Yep. Um, Very good. good yeah, well, intro, kind of, I guess, yeah. What's You've that? got the magic, buddy. Well, I wanted to make sure everyone understood what podcast we're all actually Okay, we're going to do some talking. involved talking, That's yes. That's good. We'll do some talking this time. A little discussion-ish yep. situation yeah, here. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so yeah, welcome. Yeah. All right. You got anything to start us off? No, I think you should probably. <laughs> I got nothing. I mean, look, I'm kind of, just... it's been a weird day, but. Yeah, okay. Sorry, you're a little off. Yeah, a little bit off. Sorry about that. T- you tell me I went for a little drive this morning. Tom uh-huh. tore the road up. Oh, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Literally. Um, so uh, we're talking about today. Yes. The great, I think great, I don't know, um, French director Louis Mal. Well, let's talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say great. I think great yeah. is, a, is, a, is actually a wonderful word. And if, if and only if you, the first movie we're going to talk about, I think, puts mm-hmm. him in that category. So um, a lot of, I think, people would know some of his later work, which goes outside the scope of our usual conversations. So like Au revoir, Les Enfants, and yeah. um, My Dinner with Andre. Right. Which he, is, did, he did that. He did that. Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So am I safe in calling him a French New Wave? Because he's. I think so. Because this movie definitely isn't that good. Godot is the guy like everyone points to, right? Because of all the jump cuts and everything. Right. Else. And Truffaut, body blah. Yeah. yeah but so, I, and I think maybe like he's um, not mentioned as often in that conversation because some of the technical sort of stuff isn't as um, snappy. As, as as those guys. Yeah, he's not as verite, I think, as yeah. some of the others. He like he was a man who definitely played with perspective, mm. fucked with your uh, yep. fucked with your perceptions, uh, in a, in a much more artificial way than Truffaut would have done, for instance. Well, and, and I think all to the better way. Artificial way. See, I was going to say the opposite. I, I was saying not as snappy as as like Godot, for instance. He doesn't do like a bunch of jump cuts to tell a story. Not to insult Godot, but I'm just saying like uh-huh. um, I would say the what he fucks with is. Like your sense of story, not the the te- the techniques, but we can talk about that. Maybe maybe we disagree. Well, no, I, I think. Well, put it this way: I, I would say that this guy is a little bit more Hollywood than than the than a lot of the other French. I think that's. I think that's what I'm trying to we're say. Somehow we're agreeing on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Fair enough. All right, so so he's much more about the story than the techniques and and, and all the other stuff going on. And and I gotta say, this is a remarkable, fucking remarkable story. Well, so so but before we get to it, I yeah. I, I would say this. Um, that's odd that he is more Hollywood because we just did a, a Patreon episode on um, Alain Rene. Yeah, right. And and both he and and Maul were um, <coughs> documentary filmmakers first. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so Rene, that weirdo, um, <laughs> decided to use his documentary experience to just totally smash ideas of like right. the linear story and all that sort of stuff. Whereas uh, do away with narrative almost entirely. Louis Maul actually takes it as a sort of cue to be more narrative and more right. structured. Right, right, right. I suppose. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. So go ahead. So no, ni- no. I just... The first film, 1958? Yeah, 1958. Uh, this is the uh, elevator to the gallows. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Just fuck. I got to say, I had no idea what to expect with this thing. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those movies, like, correct me if I'm wrong, like, in this perception of it, like, it gets you, it, it's, uh, it's, well, it's a mystery, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. suspense movie, it's a suspense movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it more clear than what the 400 blows is, for instance. Mm-hmm. But it's just, but it is, it's a suspense movie that takes you one way, 
makes it obvious what's going to happen. And you just look at it. You look at what's going to happen and you're like, oh, the, you know, the collapse of a good criminal job, right? It takes you one direction, shows you that, um, and it makes you think that the obvious is going to happen and then takes the obvious away from you at the end. It's a really, it was really niftily done. Yeah. I mean, it's also sort of like largely, um, I, I would say he shares this with, with Jules de Saint, is that it's, it's largely um, premise. <laughs> Mm-hmm. oriented right and so he and Jill Dusson would would find like interesting stories that like they'd read on an airplane and say like oh I was fascinated by like this what if this were the situation mm-hmm. and, the, and the what if very broadly speaking is what if you committed a crime yes. but in a series of events which made you sort of like um, panic mm-hmm. after the crime mm-hmm. you we're put in a situation where you're innocent of a crime that you were actually accused of doing elsewhere. Right. In other words, you get away with the perfect murder, but you get framed you no for alibi. another one because you have no alibi. That's a much better way of saying it. Fuck. Yeah, sorry, I had oh to unravel in my mind. Oh, it's just, bruh, it's just yeah. so well done. And then, and then, and then this other thing, it's like, it's, that's what makes it, you know, that's a good mystery is that all the true, all the clues are given to you. Yeah. They just like, you just don't, you just don't capture that one. There's a little sleight of hand on one of those little clues. Yeah. Comes back, bites you in the ass, and makes it tremendous. It just, fuck. And here's what's good filmmaking. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed when you say, like, everything's given to you. You know what's going to happen. That wasn't true with me, but here's why. And here's what I think good storytellers do. Something's going along, you really engage in it, and then something distracting happens. And you're like, why are you, why are you distracting me with this? Like, I mean, come on. What the, I want to get back to the main story. And then you're like, oh. What's this with this is, camera thing? What the fuck is that? This is instrumental right. of what's, how this all plays out. Like, yes. oh, why didn't I see that? Yes. Yeah. It's almost so, it's almost so obvious that this is going to have a significance that it pisses you off. you're spending time like, on it, and yeah. you're sitting there like an idiot going, why are they spending time on this? I want to go back to the main thing. Yeah, so so okay, so without giving too much away and yet yet we want to give some elements away. Right. So it's sort of like the 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 premise Oh yeah, let's not spoil this in any way if we can do no, that. No, no, no. Right, so the premise is somebody wants to commit a murder. Right. And he wants to commit a murder with a woman he loves. We get this sort of really interesting breathless sort of phone call to scene <laughs> where um just the right amount of exposition's going just on. Right at the opening. Right at the that opening. That is beautiful opening. Well, driven by the way, I think you know, Oof. we might as well just go with this right away. That um, driven by a, a Miles Davis soundtrack. Yeah, I know. I, I, okay, I, all right, you're right. You're right. Dog shit soundtrack to this thing, right? Just terrible. No, fuck me. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Miles and, Davis did the soundtrack for this thing, and Louis Mal gave Jeez, it's fucking amazing. Gave him the film to watch several times, and so that soundtrack was completely 100 percent after the film. Yeah, you would think, but the way it's set, you think You'd it was like a Scorsese thing where he like filmed around this great soundtrack, and it's just the opposite. Miles Davis just said, "Okay, here's." Well, Miles Davis just came in with a record. And he's like, "Fuck, I'm gonna write a movie to that." Like you can almost see that too. Yeah, that's, it, that's it, what it, it looks it's like beautiful. almost, but yeah. it's the opposite, right? Yeah, it's just beautifully so it's, tuned. It starts. So it starts well with this idea that this this uh, Miles Davis um, uh, score is driving certain aspects of the film mm-hmm. constantly. When 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 he when it, when he allows it to breathe for a minute yeah. and for you to collect your emotions, right? So this man and woman are are. are um, uh, contemplating obviously something like that's gonna be a bank robbery or a murder right, or something, right? And right. so this guy who's um he's got a, a, a they're very much in love because they keep saying that I love you, oh, I love je-tem, you, je-tem, je-tem, je-tem. I walked away knowing exactly what jetem means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this guy has a, a, a powerful powerful position in in some sort of corporate atmosphere, right? Um, second in command or something, and and um, vaguely criminal.
criminal corporation. Yes. Well, it's an arms dealer. Right. I mean, legal right, arms yeah, dealer yeah, in, right. in Paris, right? Yeah, but shady as fuck, and you know, yeah. And he's had this history as like whatever the French version of the you know black ops are or something. You know, he's, yeah. Well, he was in the he was a paratrooper in Algiers. Oh, well, Algiers. Right. Other things, right? You know, French Foreign Legion, and it had also been to Vietnam. So, and, and immediately, like, by the way, this is, this is a film from 1958, right? So it's like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, with the French, you know, the Vietnam's yep. right there, and, yep. and of course Al- Algeria still, mm-hmm. and and so. Um, I think actually weirdly subtly dropped are several characters sort of struggling with this, right? The he's, politics? Well, he's had experience with it. So he's struggling with like the nightmare of colonization, like, yeah. like what it means to really get your hands dirty. And this mm-hmm. other younger character struggling with it in the typical young person's way, like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> right? So, right. So, so that's hipsters of, with a hipsters with a cause. It's interesting that he drops that in there as an important element of like mm. their characters, but it doesn't drive the film. It's no. just sort of there. Right. Right. Well, and it also, and in that way, it sort of drives the competence of the, of the people in it. Well, it also, like he's a guy who knows how to do things. It, it, I think it's a subtle way of driving your sympathy and empathy, or lack of it, mm. right? Because if, mm-hmm. if you're at that time, or you, you know, you're us, and you've seen everything unfold in the world since then, you're like, how much do I sympathize with an arms dealer, right? If someone wants to kill him, or yeah. you know, or whoever yeah. it is, right? right? Exactly. Even though they're not killing him for because he's evil, they're ki- he's killing him because he wants to get that sweet uh, arms dealer lady. Uh, Yep. stuff. <laughs> Lady Tram. He's trying, he's trying to fuck the guy's wife, basically. Yeah. That, that's the couple that's in love at the beginning of the movie. So so then, classically, in, in a very like Hitchcockian way, because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Maul was a huge fan of Hitchcock. You can kind of see, you can really oh, sort of see it here. Yeah, for sure. Something like Rope or something else, <laughs> where it's like, you know, um, it, one thing undone or gone back for or forgotten and then remembered undoes everything else right? right it's the butterfly effect aspect of, of hitchcock right well it's the other thing too it's that it's that can we just can we can we go with the can we go with the rope can we can i bring that up yeah that's fine there's a it's, th- there's ahead. a okay he uses a, this rope and like a grappling hook a grappling hook in this situation it's this it's a huge macguffin first off yeah it's it's a beautiful example of a macguffin maybe one of the best i've ever met and it's it's this little it's this thing that drives the plot puts him in the precarious position of not having an alibi right. and at the same time ultimately has no fucking relevance to the thing and you see a little girl pick it up off the sidewalk and yeah. walk away with a goddamn oh thing. that you mean that that scene itself is a MacGuffin? Yeah. Well, like, no. The rope the... is, and the importance yeah, of it I, to the driving the plot. Sorry to be makes an it asshole a Mac... here, but a MacGuffin's never seen. That's that's technically like the the aspect of a MacGuffin. It's actually never seen. It's never identified in the film. Oh. MacGuffin's like the light in in Repo Man or or Pulp Fiction. It's like it, it drives it, but you never actually get to see what it is. Whereas I, I would right say, I would that. say this that what you're talking about that later on the girl just sort of picks up the rope that's MacGuffin-ish. you're like what wait what what just happened there and it's never explained and it just sort never, of goes I had to go away. I had to run it I had to run it back to make yeah. sure that's what the fuck that it was and I was like oh rope. my god that changes everything well it changes okay. because it makes it all pointless that he went back for it right right okay exactly. that's important right so he goes back for this rope and then should we no. Okay. Okay. No. So, so that it, uh, things unravel because he goes back for it. Right. Absolutely. And 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 like a, in a weird set of circumstances, some somebody steals his car and wants to joyride around, and yeah. then the, this beautiful young French couple, and that that fucking they unravels in a, a crazy hurry. German couple, and yeah. that, and it's all sort of in Paris or in the countryside of Paris. It's like right around. It's in. It's nearby Paris. Yeah. And it's, it's Paris adjacent. And there's a lot of sort of like. Um, I mean, another thing he does is a, it's a very simple human thing he, he hits on 
and it's hardly the most important part of the film, but it's one of like the many sort of like cogs that makes it work is um, the idea that you're waiting for someone and mm-hmm. they don't show up. We've all had that. Right. And then all the things you imagine to be true about why that's the case. Oh yeah, and so that that yeah. also, that only that only fucks with your your security and, and sense of like what's real, but it makes you react in a different way. Right. So like, not only do like dominoes fall in terms of like literal events, <laughs> but misinterpretations happen as a result yeah. of it, and then and those have conse- and they have consequences. Those motivations yeah. and mistaken, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's weird. I mean, as I'm saying this, it's like, yeah, we want to say we want to say Hitchcock, but in a way, it's like, well, Shakespeare too. You know, it's sort of like it's right. uh, and, and Three's Company, all of the the greats. That sort of are about misunderstandings. <laughs> oh, Jacques! Uh, <laughs> um, um, and, and, and also, I must wow. say this: that it's sort of interesting that the main characters weirdly have less screen time and dialogue than the ancillary characters. Yeah, the that's younger true. people, right? Much less dialogue for sure. Yeah. Because they're 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 isolated in their own ways. They are isolated definitely in right. their own ways. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're trapped by either circumstances or physicalities mm-hmm. or um, uh, ways we're not going to get into here. No, and it's like we're being. Um, the good news is, is the German inviting. couple does die. Everybody, so go. Yeah. If nothing else, you should see it Bump for that. Mic. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I mean, yeah, it, it's just a masterpiece. It's uh, we're keeping it vague, and that's maybe frustrating for you. Um, but it will not be vague when you see it. No, you just see don't it. want to give anything away. Yeah, it, exactly. Because it, because it, uh, it, it's because it it tumbles out. It's like it's like yeah. watching a flower unfurl or a vagina. Or, you know, watching something mm. like magical sort of like appear and sort of fold out in front of you. And I don't want to fuck with that in any way. Mm. I'm interested in the vaginas. You see, <laughs> fold out yeah. in front of you. <laughs> yeah, they talk to me, Joseph. They okay. sing to me. Okay. I mean, I, I think I, I want to, of course, I could talk with anyone who's seen this film. I could talk for another hour about yeah. it. But I'm gonna, I just want to, I want to say this amazing soundtrack and not in like the background, but driving it in many ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, amazing sort of particular things that you, it's one of those things where it's like, you actually don't have to pay attention to every little thing. Sometimes you, you, a second viewing might, might bring things forward, but um, you want to. Yes. Um, yeah, this is a movie I want to watch a couple more times. Yeah. Because it strikes me that there's a lot going on there that, that probably skipped, I skipped, it went right under the radar. And yet there's a, there's a, there's a tightness to it. There's a tightness to the cinematography. There's a tightness to like the, the, the black and white, the shading even. Like yes. the, the gradations are sort of interesting well, in this Well, the other thing too that's kind of amazing about this movie is watching it, you don't think it's going to, it doesn't look well organized. No. But it, but it comes out at the end, when you hit yeah. the end, yeah. by the time you come out the end, you're like, that really was... That was Domino's clickety click. I think a lot of a lot of um, French and I guess I, I would say Swedish, but I guess I just mean Bergman um, directors from this time period, from the 1950s, mm-hmm. um, have that quality where you, you have to trust them for about 15 minutes. You just yeah. have to put yourself <laughs> into their hands right. for a little mm-hmm. while. And is it safe to say that this is a slow build on the movie? Well, except that. Ex- I mean, in retrospect, except that every every ten minutes you think you've reached some sort of peak. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then it's yeah. some, but but that just adds, turns out to be an addition to the larger scope. This is really a great movie, dude. It's I got, like I said, this yeah. is there's, there's every once in a while you get a, a like a director who can make like that one movie that yeah. that everything else is fine. 
Uh, that, yeah. That's the reason they have a career, and they should have had a career. And this was his first movie outside yes. of shorts. And, and, and Just amazing the way he I think he was yeah. in his 20s, like 26 or something when he made this movie. Jackass. That motherfucker. <coughs> <coughs> Fucking successful youth. So that's 1958, and then mm-hmm. so we go to the other end, at least as far as we're able to go on the Finleys with our stupid self-imposed <laughs> rules to 1980. <laughs> 1980. We go to 1980, and we're talking about Atlantic City. Yes, which we is, are. I, this is not, the, not the place, the movie. Well, is there a difference, Tommy? Uh, this is a, I remember oh, seeing this oh, film oh. in my teens and liking it. Even yeah. then, and you know, it's interesting that a movie, I think it's good enough to force things you shouldn't be able to understand or have the maturity to understand onto you if, you, if you're willing to sort of watch the film. So it's, it's like Burt Lancaster. Uh-huh. Burt Lancaster is like, so this is like three years after like the Cassandra Crossing. This is the first film where he's like, all right, I'm old. Yeah, I'm embracing this is the it. first one where he's definitely old. Now, that on the now on the other hand, yes. this is also the debut of baby uh, Susan Sarandon. It isn't. I'm sorry that I said that because she, she appeared in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but this might be the first one where she was taken it's seriously. Like actually, as an a movie. Yeah, like not, not that. <laughs> no one's throwing not a, not the street. Fuck you. No one brought fuck squirt guns you, full of mayonnaise to this one. Uh, well, you know, I did, but yeah, that's not a squirt gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, there. are... Uh, I forget her name. There's there's a woman in there who plays the, 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 the old broad, and she's, she's been yeah, in a lot of she's, but, she's been in a bunch. Wallace Shawn is in this, so Wallace he plays a very Shawn. small. He's a very small part, but he's like so physically obvious whenever he appears. You're like, oh, that guy. Well, he's a guy. He's a little like Dick Cavett. It's sort of like. Um, he has a career, but half of his career is just sort of being pals with weird people, like you know, like <laughs> Truffaut or, or Louis Mal or right, Woody right, Allen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And he's a. By the way, did you know? Like he's he's like his resume is actor and philosopher. Like he's written like. Oh treat, yeah, no philosophical I be- treaties. No, I I totally believe it's it. irrelevant yeah. to the film. People is aware. Yeah, it's no big deal. But yeah. anyway, so it's Atlantic City now. Atlantic City, by the way, the last time I was there was 2012, and it was a fucking disaster. And that was 2012. This is right. 1980. It was a disaster. And but unlike New when, York City, uh-huh. that after the 1980s became like in a way kind of too clean, a little too M&M store in Times Square. Right, right, Atlantic right. City. Had, I never lost had someone interrupt its yeah. shittiness with his own shittiness, and that's Donald Trump. Oh uh, yeah, our, our beloved, our beloved leader. Well, what happened was Donald Trump came along in the eighties, and he made Atlantic City better for sure. He yeah. made it better for a time. Oh, and he, fu- and he fucked it and set it up for the fall. Yeah, and then it became worse again. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. because like, he refused Vietnam. to pay taxes in a place yeah. where he had built out of a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. there was all kinds of yeah. So, but um, so so yeah. So there's. This is unmistakably a, a movie called Atlantic City that couldn't yep. be done anywhere else. This is the the Atlantic City of its time and place, right? I, I think you could make one about Reno now. Uh, in my I opinion, love but fucking yeah. Reno. I have opinions about Reno that I don't have about Atlantic City because I've never been to Atlantic City. Yeah. So I'm I'm going with you on this. So, I mean, but, but, it, but it is. It looks like it's a little slice of Beirut. Yeah, it, that's not with a bad the t- with Beirut with the, with Dagos. Yeah, I mean, all the casinos are sort of like crumbling <laughs> down. They're literally. Demolishing, you know, hotels, casinos, and apartment buildings. Yeah, yeah. You, and, you see that? That's like a little bit that happens at the beginning and at the end, like as a punctuation. Yeah. As yeah, great. And and so we have these two characters at first, and, and we have um, uh, Burt Lancaster, mm-hmm. who's neighbors, but like across the way, across a courtyard from Susan Sarandon. Yeah, so like directly into her kitchen. Which was with the opening scene, we get this this one of the most I I would think. That's pretty sexy. Sensual scenes in, in all movie yeah. you know, openings, and yeah. that's her sort of like um, bathing her skin in lemon juice over the kitchen. By sink. which I mean, she pulls, she takes down her shirt, and you can see her boobies. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're just, right, Tommy. I just want to get that out there. I don't want to like just sensually no. She she the splash of lemon juice right. on the boobies. And as a guy, I'm like, go, I'm sitting here going, does that help boobs? I don't know. You know. Yeah. Turns out later there's an explanation for her later on. But she works at a seafood restaurant and wants yeah. to get rid of the smell of fish on her arms and Which boobs. Makes apparently, it less sexy all of a sudden. But yeah, but still, but fucking pretty darn sexy. But, and, yeah. Yeah. Burr Lancaster is you know he's he's you know, he's always been even as he got older he didn't look foolish. <clears throat> Playing an old man who still had desires, and one of the great yes. things about Burn desires, Lan- but class, but class about Burn Lancaster, like me. <laughs> is all his sort of like over aping acting with his hands and his grin that, that people made fun of early on in life right. served him well later on because when he was an old man, no one could act with his hands. Like Burt Lancaster, that guy yeah. could could make could convince you that he's washing his hands yeah. in an important way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> or, no, or combing yeah, his I'll, hair or something. Some yeah, like yeah, crazy no, he had that, way. Yeah, that quality. Yeah, and so and so it doesn't. He doesn't seem like a ridiculous old man. Like, what are they doing pairing him with? It's it's kind of like you, it doesn't look ridiculous, but it does look a little bit creepy. Well, it looks desperate, but the thing is, he plays a desperate man, and his he des- really does. His too. desperation is. Um, only partly to do with the fact that he's he's older. It's yeah. that he's older, but also that he he's ne- never he was been a never been. Yeah, exactly. He's never, never been. He's been. never. He's a. He's a. Ha- well, yeah, exactly. He's a has been who never arrived. Yeah. He never had his chance. He was. Ba- he's vaguely connected with the mob. Yeah. Uh, basically, he's. He, you know what he is? He's Spider. He's yeah. Spider grown up, eighty years old. <laughs> yeah. He still. He still um, runs the numbers uh, around the neighborhood. But right. there's a. I mean, there's a great scene where someone hands him two quarters, like fifty cents on number seven or something. Yeah. He takes it. He writes it down like he's making his right. his way around that's one of the ways he makes a living yeah of course the other way that he gets around is is the downstairs neighbor <laughs> is the widow it's of like gunball next- floozy from like the from the, the uh the great yeah. you know from uh prohibition Miss pinball machine 1942 yeah, 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 yeah and 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 he sort of um takes care of her uh since her old man some sort of uh, gangster died right and and I mean it's a ridiculous setup where she has a string that pulls a bell in his apartment whenever she wants him. Which he stuffs a sock into occasionally, so he can have a little bit of peace and quiet and freedom. Otherwise, she summons him to like make the blood go to my feet, like massage the blood yeah. in my feet. Well, so this this is why uh, this is why also hit, like it, it ties back to him sort of lusting after Susan Sarandon. Yeah, she's because she's making the blood go somewhere there. Well, but also like you know. Um, He's been emasculated. Yeah, his, I mean his his failure to it's be, like his whole life has been that to way. be something is not just that he never became a, a well known gangster, but he's always been a, a, a step and fetch it in a way. Yeah, or a gopher, I guess is the more appropriate yeah, way to say that. Sorry, yeah, yeah. wow, <laughs> racial uh, tones. He's always a house person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but yeah, so it's like you know, here he is. Yeah, he's got this situation where he can be an old guy and he's he's not shoved into a retirement home or on the streets, but it's like ultimately he's making breakfast. For some right. woman, and he comes from a time period where it's like that. It should be the opposite. You yeah. Know? Yeah. He. he I, I, I got to be honest. Like, think about that for a fucking life. Wouldn't it be great? I would love to have Burt Lancaster make me hash and eggs every morning and rub and massage oh, my yeah. feet. No, I thought you meant being Burt Lancaster massaging feet and making no, breakfast. Well, yeah, I think he'd love that. Too. I could use. I could use like. I could use contact yeah. with others. That would be nice if people would touch me. <laughs> Anyways, rub a little lemon on them titties, Tommy. Mm, yeah, some luxurious chest hair there. Got a couple of trees you can use. Uh huh. So, so uh, okay. So then the cut cut to this other sort of conflict, right? Which is that entering Susan Saranda's life is her ex husband well, or her husband, current husband. Well, that's what's interesting is because at first you think it's just her sister. 
Yeah. And her sister is shitty boyfriend. Right. Right? And Turns out. You know, her sister's like pregnant. It is and her they're sister. Like on their own. It is her sister and her current husband who yes. ran off with her sister. And, and got, got her pregnant. Up. Yes. Yeah. So it's like she understandably hasn't talked to this guy in at least a year. She's, a li- she's unhappy. Not. With this guy. His behavior has been subpar as a husband. I would say so. Yeah. I, I, th- I would agree with her about that. Yeah. You definitely should have some strong words. Yes, I agree. <laughs> And 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 here here's where the, the worlds meet. I mean, because otherwise it would just be Burt Lancaster having this shitty life. Her um, um, Susan Sarandon having this life where she's not quite making it. She wants to be um, a, a blackjack dealer. She wants to get right. out of Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. The the guy who has access to the, like helping her pass her blackjack exam is also obviously wants in her pants, or yeah, maybe yeah. he's getting in her pants. I'm not even sure about that. I suspect he is. Yeah. And yeah. so she's like, sort of putting up with this life. And so it's it's these two she people. She doesn't have a problem fucking an older guy. We the, find out. Oh yeah. It's these two people, Burt Lancaster and Susan Sarandon who are putting up with their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And his his putting up with is all the failures and and, and emasculation. And hers is is, is basically being fucked over, if yeah, you will. Well, kind of being fucked over by her uh no by, by her husband. Well and her boss. I mean men are just like fuck, yeah. fucking her yeah, over, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost too classic. And so yeah. and so of course like how are these two gonna meet other right. than him peering at her well, um, juicing up her, her breasts. Well turns out that the husband is a uh, has uh, stolen some drugs from some Philadelphia mobsters. Yeah. And he's decided to drill deal drugs in Atlantic City. So he takes yeah. the, he gets the drug guy so dumb he can actually find a pound of cocaine and feel like, yeah, what great luck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no one will miss this. Achoo. Okay. But no. So yeah, so he finds it, cuts it, yeah, yeah. starts selling it. Yeah. Uh, but he needs Bert, but he needs Bert Lancaster's help because he apparently doesn't look good enough. Well, no one trusts him, and no, nor should they. Because he looks like he just left a fish concert. He looks like a scumbag. And yeah. We're not talking the band P-H-I-S-H. We're talking like if Fish played banjos, this guy would have gone to that concert. That was not an improvement, Tommy. Yeah, it was maybe a but okay, Anyways, but uh, beside the point. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he just looks like his comeback so he needs so he uses Burt Lancaster his uh, his wife's neighbor across the hall yep. uh, to uh, to move some merchandise and so then, now Burt Lancaster thinks he's helping someone out I mean because he's sort of getting the picture that this is um, uh, Susan Sarandon's husband but he's not quite sure what the situation is but also like he gets to be a, in the game again for right. realsies not right. just taking numbers for for two two bits but actually like moving moving some merchandise you know mm-hmm. and there's a great scene where where he moves the merchandise and he gets some cash and he gets his cut from the guy um, and and he he goes into the restroom and he sees one of his pals in the old day who's a bathroom uh, attendant. Oh, and he, man. Yeah, We're talking about the greatest job of all money time. There. Yeah. No, of course. It's Porta potty attendant next. Uh, oh, sweet Jesus. At a fish concert. <laughs> the guy where they play banjos. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so uh, anyway. We keep derailing ourselves here today. No, it's okay. I mean, but yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. you know, it just goes downhill from there and, 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 you know, maybe we could even leave off like what happens, but, but you know, some, some circumstances happen where it's like... Er, Everyone's after Burt Lancaster. They're kind of after Susan Sarandon. They're kind of after the husband. Right. Um, and I don't know what to say about it. In a way, there's really it's a great film in that in that there's no reason, honestly, it's to, not a, to root for for Burt Lancaster except that Burt Lancaster and Louis, Louis Maul do such a good job putting it together that you do. Yeah. Well, and also you know like he's inescapably Burt Lancaster. So there's yeah. always a part of me that's going to cheer for that. But mm-hmm. I thought this was a pretty darn good movie. Yeah, I, mean, I liked it a lot. It's a little bit difficult to look at this movie and see this, uh, you know, see the you know uh, elevated oh, the, the yeah. gallows yeah. in this. But but it's a damn competent movie. Well, you know what it, it is. Does, it's, there's nothing surprising. Yeah. There's nothing. I think uh, it's a great. I think it's actually borders on being a great. 
great movie. I would say the difference is this, mm-hmm. and it, it might just be a, a, the the natural sort of you know evolution of a director. <laughs> Louis Maul has nothing to prove. And so he's just kind of breathing more. And he's also older and, and apt to be more nostalgic himself. Well, so he's playing into the nostalgia. Oh, so he's definitely playing into the nostalgia. Whereas Elevator the Gallows, it's like he's he's an artist who wants yeah. to make his bones, and God damn it, he does. Right. And you know what? Sometimes it's okay that a that a that an artist, you know, is an artist gets like those great couple of hits out and mm-hmm. then some of the others aren't so good, and that's fine. But this, this is, but this isn't that. It's not. I it's think not it's. So I think it's a. I think it's a good movie. I'd give it. A, I'd give it three and a half out of four stars. I liked uh, it a lot. Okay. I mean, the next year. I give it about three out of four. The year after this, he does my dinner with Andre. So um, I still have to see that fucking thing. I got to be honest. I've never seen it either. But my point is, he's definitely moving. He's not like he's retired from, you know, film uh, 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 weirdness. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or the movement, right. or or auteurship, or whatever you want to call it. Like he's back in the game constantly. Yeah. Am I boring you, Tom? Well, well, I mean, are you asking that question? Looked at his watch. Are you seriously asking me <laughs> like George W. Do, do you H. bore Bush? me? Yeah. Um, no, Joe, no. Yeah. Disgust is the word. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah. So I would say um, uh, Louis Maul in general, mm-hmm. um, and I would say yes, you're right. Elevated to the Gallows is is the superior. It's it's. I wouldn't say a perfect film, but it's fucking goddamn great. It's, it's up there yeah. with like Diabolique and and, and yeah. Rope and and yeah. some of those. The great suspense films. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and it's a surprise. Absolutely. No one's ever heard of it. I mean, no one in my circles. I've never that. heard of it before. Yeah, but you know what I'm finding? That I'm dumb, yes. No, that for, for guys who thought we knew a lot about films, <laughs> and we, we do know a lot more than a lot, but I would say most yeah, people, yeah, yeah. there's lots of things compared well, to people who are fanatics that we don't know at all. Well, what I, you know what I take away from that is how many people don't know a fucking thing about movies how much and how big it is how much there is to know about it. i think oh, that's the yeah. real takeaway yeah yeah, yeah there's a lot sure. thank golly for this this podcast so. yeah there's well the night night uh nights in cabrillo the fellini film that mm-hmm. i watched you need to watch it maybe we should do an episode on that because there's one where gonna, i'd watch some fellini and i was fellini like oh, fellini and it was like oh this how did i miss this fucking gem yeah there's too many goddamn gems out there there's too many gems. What are you going to do with the gems? What are you going to do with the gems, You're going to walk around the, 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 the beach. You're going to trip on them. I heard that Bill Gates, if he bends down to pick up a gem, he loses money. <laughs> okay. So you... Uh, <laughs> terrible What does reference. it fall out of his gate? Okay. Okay. So do you have anything reference. you'd like to promote? Um, yeah. Come check out our uh, our Facebook page. No. Fuck. Um, don't do that. Come check me out. Uh, TomSmithComedy.com. That's lost. Uh, and uh, I, I, I put up shows there. Also, come check us out on Patreon. We got a little Patreon page there. Uh, we like to, uh, we would love it if you would join us there, drop a few dollars. We do have some, uh, we do have uh, Finley's Fine Reserve there, uh, some extra episodes that are, that are you know, not free content, uh, but they're part of that. Um, yeah, I'm cycling this into the ground. You finish the rest. <laughs> Rate and review us on iTunes. All right, Tommy. Love you, buddy. Send us an email. Oh, yes, send us an email. Oh. You know what? I think, because we're sort of um, going on these weird directions, you know, Michael Caine, Elizabeth Taylor, Louis Maul, all of a sudden, in the Patreon episode, the fucking uh, last year at Mira, 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 Marion, not so good. Well, wait, I don't know. I don't know. Become a Patreon subscriber and find out. Yeah. Um, I'd love to sort of get some, you know, some people that we're not really familiar with or that we should have done by now. It's sure. crazy that we haven't done Cary Grant, for instance. We haven't done a, have we're heading, we're we done a Mexican. 100. Have we done a Mexican director yet? No. Why not? Because I don't know any. That's why. So tell us. Uh, but no. Yeah, besides that. <laughs> besides the one we just we're talked about. <laughs> you jerk. Well, we didn't talk about the. Never mind.